0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo,
1: Joe! Yo, Joe!
0: Go, okay. Hey! Hey, hey, And I'm going to give you another hey. It's me, the Chief. And it's you, S-Jobs, yes, and Chief Doggy. Yes, sir. Now, <laughs> I'm going to point out that, for me, nothing feels different about this recording today, because I am, as I mentioned offline, I'm in the loft. As people know, I'm in the loft. No windows. One brightness of light, no matter what time I'm up here. But for you, it's a big change, because it is not 6.30am, it's actually 9pm. It's still
1: dark, but it's a little bit cooler, and it's getting cooler. Hey, man, like I say, one of these days, I'm actually going to record one of these sessions with a shirt on. <laughs> 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 Sorry, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> He's still shirtless. <laughs> oh, what can I say, man? It's endless summer out here in Queensland, which, yeah, dude, it's really no room to be complaining about. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. lovely.
0: Good stuff. How are you doing,
1: Keaster?
0: Not bad, not bad. I will just say yesterday I went for a nice cycle and I'm a little bit behind. I'm stuck on episode 169 of Joburg, um, mm. so I'm one behind, but I really enjoyed the talk about cod pieces, <laughs> or not cod pieces, cr- crotches was the main focus, uh, crotches oh, and heads, um, which was really enjoyed that chat, something I've not really considered before. But uh I, I like the fact that uh Paul was definitely still championing the Mindbender cod piece, which was nice.
1: It's like he's got a remote control device on there. Like it is just so densely
0: packed with like tech and heavy metal man. Yeah, yeah. And also I do wanna just pick up something that you mentioned on that on that uh, show as well. You are 100% part of the furniture on Talking Joe, so you're, you're definitely not, you know, holding down the fort or an interloper. It's fiddy it's fiddy, Chief and the S-Jobs, so oh, don't, yeah. don't get any other thoughts outside of that. But, yeah, and, D- you know, enjoying the Jobo chats recently. Really good. I'm going to crank up the 170 probably tonight. Shit, son. Thank
1: you. I never expect it, but it's always nice to know that... Someone's listening to our stuff, our mad ramblings. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, good. without anything on the agenda as, as clear cut as like reviewing comic books, yeah, the agenda does tend to get a little bit gutter talk. <laughs> How can you do 169 without talking about heads and crotches? Oh, That's yeah. It. You got it. You got it. Now, I haven't gone
0: back and listened to the original 69. Oh, man. Hey, hey, hey. That's terrible. Uh, episode, which obviously you reference on there, but um, I might give that one a go.
1: Dude, change the topic. <laughs> Anything
0: new up in uh, um, Chief's Londinium? Well, there's a guy, I don't know if you can hear it, I don't know if this will come through, there's a guy absolutely revving his motorbike to shit right outside my house, and I can barely hear you over the noise of this chump dog uh, revving his engine, but I think he's now stopped. You're a motorcyclist, aren't you? I do have a motorcycle, yeah, yeah, Suzuki mm. SV650, which I will actually probably at the weekend get out. I'll get Evelyn to help me clean it. She likes to get some of the little brushes out and and help with the cleaning. I I basically put on one of the little trolleys underneath the no, I don't really. Uh, you know, she cleans the underneath, but um, I need to take it out to get some air pressure Child in. Child labour, anyone? <laughs> I need, need to check the air pressure and get some uh, gas in them tires. But uh, what else have I? been up to, the only other thing of note that I've been doing is I tried playing another retro game yesterday and that was a game called The Immortal it's on the Mega Drive or the Genesis if you're in the States and this is a 3D isometric game, it's like a, a bit like a dungeon crawler, you play a wizard and you've got to fight goblins and trolls and solve puzzles, I remember liking it as a kid, haven't played it in, I don't know 25 years, maybe more And I remember it being hard, and I died in the first room on level one. Literally, there's a wizard, uh, you go to a table, you step on the wrong floor panel, and some giant worm comes out the floor and eats you. It's horrendously difficult, and I remember it being difficult, so I had a quick little Google just to see... I didn't want to look at a playthrough because I want to try and suss it out myself, but all the articles were basically saying this is one of the most unforgiving games ever, mainly on the basis that... A lot of the deaths that happen, there's no indication that what you do is going to kill you. You read, you find a a dead person, search their clothes, yes. You find a book, read the book, yes. Read the book and die. So oh, no, delightful! Yes,
1: it's a game that is out to punish the
0: player. Clearly, yeah. Well, Truly. yeah. It's I, kinda, I guess it was pre Bloodborne-ish, Dark Soulsy kind of game. But I am going to persevere for a bit, and then if I really struggle, I will look at some YouTube. Videos for playthrough guides because I did note that there was a playthrough that took about, I think it was something like between 35 and 40 minutes to actually complete it in one sitting.
1: Ah, oh, but Chief, haven't we established that with Flashback? I mean, like, those, those yeah. guys <laughs> practice it down to a fine art. They know exactly yeah. where to be on each screen to avoid any kind of hits. Like, yeah, you're right. So
0: 40 minutes for them is probably still about 40 hours for me.
1: If that. Dude, it sounds like this game is it's gonna break you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Chief ain't been broken yet, but I mean like a game that is well, out
0: to to kill you, you <laughs> mercilessly, without warning. You say I haven't been broken yet, uh, there was some breakage, and this will come on a shameless cross promotion here, the Outer Timers. This will <laughs> come on next week's release of Outer Timers, which we've already recorded, where Chief does get broken by a retro game. So, Ooh. if you want to hear the Chief uh, almost take a hammer. To a video game cartridge. Listen to next week's Out of Timers show. But enough of me. What have you been up to, mate? It seems like people
1: in my former profession are are well, understandably itchy. Uh, they're antsy to to get up to some mischief. And I want to cut I've you off I- there. I, I I'm disappointed when I hear you say former profession. <laughs> well, bro, ain't nobody treading the boards currently. So, hey, man, it remains to be seen whether or not I'll ever um, have a, a theatre gig ever again. But Tomorrow I'm recording with the cast, the South African cast of Mamma Mia, to do a kind of a ten year anniversary reunion show. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's that's my big news, I guess. That's
0: wild, man. I know. How did right? that come about?
1: Well, it as I say, like, performer buddies seem to be really, really itchy to to do something during lockdown. And I suppose theatre companies around the world are typically recording their big numbers using zoom or using various kind of editing platforms to kind of just jam all the the heads basically of the artists uh on the screen and do like a big group number like a you know as as music artists have been doing like collaborations but like remote collaborations yeah and so uh my cast 10 years on are going to be singing Mamma mia here I go again. <laughs> I mean, come
0: on! It's it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be hilarious to see how everyone's exciting, done. Exciting, it time. is exciting times. And, and what's the output from that? Is that just for personal usage, or is that gonna be available anywhere?
1: It'll be available on the internet. We're gonna put the show out on Saturday, the 16th at 6 p.m. Central African time, which would be I think um four or five uk time depending on whether you guys are daylight saving plus one or plus two i don't know uh (laughs) i've stopped trying to work out time zones for everyone else (laughs) a long time ago i have cocked up enough podcast recording sessions by trying to (laughs) trying to give everyone their official start time in the podcast. yeah yeah. cool well i'm definitely going to look out for that so (sighs) now now i'm suddenly getting cold feet man i don't want people from my real life seeing my like performing life that's just embarrassing but it should be good fun i've certainly been doing enough gi joe collaborations it's about time i actually you know did something at least approaching my professional life yeah because god knows i'd love to make a professional life out of gi joe but ain't nobody paying me to talk about this shit Mm,
0: well there you go there you go no good stuff good stuff good to hear that you i should say yet <laughs> yeah, just sit right yeah, wait till we patronise this. We've got plenty yeah, of joke you know. comics to talk about. Potato chips crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky, snacks running fear, cause we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. his house! Right, listen, uh, it's it's normally I catch you in an early morning situation and you're eating biltong or something else that I wouldn't consider to be most people eating around that time. But now, we've got you for the evening meal part of the day because you've shown me a pic of what you're eating. Please describe it to the listeners. Hananese chicken rice. Now, this is a famous, famous dish
1: of the Chinese region. Uh, which my wife absolutely loves and had right through her childhood in Singapore in a place called Boon Tong Kee, which is a famous restaurant in Singapore. Any of our Singaporean listeners, hey, I know they've, they've got to be out there, surely. That's it. They would know exactly what I'm talking about. But Chief Dog, let me tell you, my missus did a home-cooked job this evening. Oh. And she just blew the experts out of the water, man. I'm not speaking like the man on, you know, the honeymoon period with his wife here. Like, it's all hearts and flowers. I'm speaking like <laughs> food critic, critical of my meal. It was fantastic. Don't ask me how, but she whipped it up in record time, and the taste is incredible. Uh, I don't know what goes into it other than, I don't know, there were shallots, there was spring onion, there was a broth, uh, soy sauce, there was lots of ginger, lots of garlic. Lots of chili, and the chicken yeah. is essentially boiled, so it's so tender. It's boiled in this broth, moist. so it stays very moist. And oh, man, it just melts in your mouth, buttery buddy. I, 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 I'm I, gushing because I don't actually have any factual words to describe this meal other than <laughs> pat on the back, Kim. I love you. Pat on the back, We're
0: married a good one, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's only a few words you got to say to her, and is when's it coming again next time? <laughs> Damn, man, she's busy doing the dishes right now, cursing our new time slot. Because I'm like, <laughs>
1: sorry, babe, I know you cooked the meal, but I also got to ditch you with the cleaning up. Because me and Chief, you got to go do a thing. Anyways, Chief, are I you snacking it. down on something? This uh, uh, I am snacking down on
0: something. I have got some smoky barbecue graze crunch. This is smoky barbecue flavored peas, crunchy corn chips, and chili corn. Pack's already open. I had some before we start recording. Let's have a go. Yeah, definitely crunchy. I will say, jeez. I put way too many in there. <laughs> Let's get through these. Yeah. Give him a minute, listeners. <laughs> yeah. So the problem, the problem I have with these is this kind of Grey's branding, quite big in the UK. And a lot of the time they come in small, like, 20 to 30 gram little little pouches. Problem I've got here is, this bad boy is... Oh, where's the grammage on this? Uh, 104 grams. Hey, and Chief, I, I would never eat...
1: say that's a problem. Like, getting more oh, bang for your buck. Well,
0: what I'm saying is, I'll eat this whole bag, literally no worries. Uh, but it's actually got, like, four portions in it. So... Man. Nah. Yeah, yeah, you're Still right. Wa- yeah.
1: <laughs> Still watching the way, Chief.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> you, you got to eat. you got to keep that metabolism high. That's it. That's it. I'll mm-hmm. go off my cycle later. Listen to 170 Joe Listen, <laughs> right now we're going to talk comics, specifically G.I. Joe comics, specifically even more Real American Hero, and it's issues 185 and 186. It's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than Junker Box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Let's have a look at these covers. So we've got the trend here of there's not an A and a B and a retailer incentive. It's just a regular cover now and the Larry pencils. So regular cover. And again, this is the trend of having a big or oversized kind of head of one character and then little ones around. So here we've got Zartan and then we got Torch Ripper and Buzzer.
1: Yeah. Obviously, the the brief was that Zartan was in the issue, and who goes better with Zartan? The Dreadnoughts. The unfortunate thing is, the Dreadnoughts pictured are not ones that feature in the issue. Eh, hey, what can you do?
0: But I yeah. do like the pall of Smoke, Zartan's snarling. It's good. Yeah. Definitely his, his Lilliputians. And the retailer incentive, I've only got the small little pick. It looks like Dusty and Airtight being kind of hauled off in chains.
1: Yes, I do like that. And the thing that struck me was Airtight being illustrated with a very high widow's peak, yeah, sort of receding hairline, which is not a hallmark of his comic book appearances, but rather that's his uh, animation sort of character sheet.
0: Okay, right. Interesting. Which
1: is curious. Yeah. It was probably a uh, Russ Heath design, and I'm sure Harmer was only too happy to follow Heath's kind of character sheet. Yeah. But, uh, in, you know, in a comic book that Larry Harmer authored, which was Airtight's first appearance, he's got a big mop of, like, tousled hair. Right. Uh, which, I like this version. Makes him
0: look more senior, yeah. more bookish, a little bit older. Yeah, he's seems aged, You know, ages him as well, which is, which is pretty True. cool. 1-8, uh, well, we got one eight six. Now, here we have the regular cover is the G.I. Joe Rescue Team, which we'll obviously come on to discuss when we talk about the... Content of the issues themselves. Kind of a nice nice image, this, of the guys all charging towards the reader. Yeah, yeah. I oh, got no problem with it.
1: It's always interesting, once again, just to note the differences between Harmer's um, pencils and then the finishes by Galant. Was it Galant? I think it was.
0: Uh, that cover, yes. Yeah, Galant, yep. yeah.
1: Yeah, just minor things. Uh, I would say Harmer has um, Leatherneck holding his rifle a little bit more accurately, supporting it yeah. properly. He's got Falcon kind of throwing his arm over saying you know like come on yes that kind of motion which is also pretty cool and and dramatic and uh spirit's got his knife kind of with the pointy end up whereas galant's got its you know what would you say underarm
0: (laughs) pointy end down pointy
1: end Mm. down technical (laughs) terms here on talking joe Uh, but once again excellent covers man really 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 good
0: quick shout out to the creators both obviously written by larry Galant is on 185, and it's Ron Wagner, Art, on 186. Gary Erskine, inks, 185, and Juan Castro, 186. And Jay Brown does colours on both. So, before we crunch into the insides, we better have a little recap. And it's last time on A Real American Hero. Darklon has come to benzene in an attempt to sell the virtual Krypton. To- <laughs> I was going to say Krypton but um, i didn't the virtual Krytron, Stuck by
1: his own his own <laughs> paraphrase oh the krypton go with krypton chief it's a okay to sell the virtual
0: <laughs> krypton he stole from destro to general Farood, the newly appointed leader of benzene a gi joe team that includes dusty airtight and tunnel rat are attempting to find darklon before the deal occurs but run into trouble outside of one of the general's palaces At the same time, Destro and Baroness barge into the room where the negotiations are taking place. Meanwhile, in the US, G.I. Joe has discovered the location of Cobra's new west coast headquarters, Rancho Cobra, thanks to the clutch and rock and roll. Unfortunately, the two G.I. Joe operatives were forced out while attempting to rescue some captive teenagers. While Rock and Roll and one of the teenagers managed to evade capture, Clutch and the other teens are now at the mercy of the sinister Dr. Mindbender. Yes. All right. And I think I said a couple of words wrong there as well, because what I, another insight to the readers is I've got contact lenses in today, and I've been staring at a screen doing work a lot, and my vision has started blurring, so uh, forgive me for that.
1: No, we love you for that, Chiefy. <laughs> I'd
0: like to draw your attention to uh, on the very first page,
1: Mainframes Helmet. Now, I had not read the, the creative credits, you know, the solicitations on these issues. Okay. So we're still in Gallant land where uh, Mainframe looks like he's wearing the head of Rodimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, which is contrasted to the art in the next issue where I was about to congratulate SL Gallant on nailing Mainframe's helmet. Right. But now you've just pulled the rug out from under me because okay. it was a different artist. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, now I'm just looking forward and I see yeah, Ron Wagner on page 18 in the next issue. Yes, there's a good one of mainframe with a completely different non-Rodimus helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cute. I do like it. Unexpected nods to the Transformers. Yeah. I, th- I think just out of the gate, and we'll obviously sum it up at the end, but having read these two, I didn't get as many feels or as much enjoyment as potentially the last four or six issues. I think there was a real strong run there and this is although, you know, they they're good, it it felt a little bit flat's not the right word, but just I don't know. Low key's not the right word. I dunno, just a little bit blandish, I'm not sure. I'm gonna contest you on that.
1: For me Okay. I like this it. this issue in particular, one eight five has a scene that sets it apart from everything that's come before. Wow. And, and 186 has, has one that also like packs a real punch and it's delivered in the last panel of the scene. Okay. And, and those are so magnificently staged and presented in the, the artworks of sort of the, the flow of the artwork and the the breakups of the panels and the scripting, like the storytelling is so cinematic. Because, it, you know, just as an editor and cinematographer would work together to present the scene in an interesting way and one that is constantly evolving as the power shifts within the scene take place, so does the artwork and the scripting in this book. So I, I
0: love these two issues for that reason okay. alone. Well, you've we'll you got, you got to tell, tell us now what these scenes are.
1: So the scene that plays out between Destro, Darklon, uh, Colonel Farood and the Baroness. Okay, has the this. most awesome seesaw of like, first you think Destro's got the upper hand, then Darklon kind of weighs in. Destro is quick to kind of put Darklon down. And then Farood, he basically decimates both their arguments and says like, I wasn't going to trust Darklon anyway. Because I mean, what guarantee do I have that this Kryten works? Yep. Until you showed up, Destro, and started waving guns around. So now I've finally got at least character evidence that this stuff is the real deal. So in that case, <laughs> you can pack your little bags, Destro. We are going to do business with Darklon.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that only happens in the final panel of that scene. Yes. that Well, that, that... It, uh, the final panel of that page. And then there's a kind of a, a denouement and... <laughs> You've got Darklon slapping his head and, and there's a, a great sort of very Joker-esque panel. With, with all the ha-ha-has. Yeah. The ha-ha-has and Destro's like burying his head in his hands and off he storms. And we end, we conclude with two silent panels, which I'm a big fan of silent panels. Anytime you can avoid o- over-explaining a scene with dialogue, which is something that we know Larry has a tendency to do. Yep. Anytime you can take your foot off the gas and just exercise the restraint of just having... Destro and the Baroness adjourn, leave, and then that handshake that seals the deal between Darklon and Farood. Ah, so good.
0: So, so good. And then it actually turns out later, because you you believe that Destro's leaving disappointed with with the outcome here, by his his posturing, etc. But then, as he's boarding his sub, you know, he says, uh, an Iron Grenadier who's Zartan in disguise says, uh asks him how did it go and he says quite to my satisfaction thank you so Hmm. you know did destro get the outcome that he was planning anyway i disagree you disagree i i don't think he i don't think he's actually satisfied he's just not he's he's not
1: not wanting to what's the word show face not lose face in front of zartan okay you know zartan is is probably playing you know his own agenda yeah i think destro was legitimately defeated at that point Okay. But Destro is a shrewd man and he's got a plan B, C, and D. Yeah, yeah. Which is then to sell the Krytron to the neighbouring state of.
0: What was it? Trucial Ab- Yeah, Trucial yeah. Abysmia. And it's. I wonder if Farood was going to test the Krytron anyway, because obviously in the next issue he takes Darklon to his underground secret weapons bunker where he's, you know, priming the warhead and getting to a safe distance etc so i think maybe Destro had given him the confidence that it was definitely going to work
1: yeah so he wasn't going to waste his time wasn't you know it reminds time, me yeah. of governor Tarkin. it's like oh yeah. you gave us a location well we're going to blow up order anyway so yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter dantoine
0: is too remote to make an effective test ah beautiful
1: yeah. you yeah. were the man who could write out that script verbatim huh at one stage <laughs> you said that that's what you were doing instead of studying you were like oh that's it Oh, yeah, it was in that, that, that test, that exam. That's
0: it, in the Genius. exam, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Did you like anything in particular? You said these issues were a little bit of a letdown for you. No, I, I think they were still good, but just I didn't think they met the same high-water as, as previous ones we had. I think the continued clutch rock and roll stuff, we know it's treading old ground and... Like we mentioned in the previous episode it's it's not a case of Harmer obviously forgetting that these guys had gone through that before, it was planned and done on purpose but I don't know, it's just I wasn't a massive fan of it the first time around and, and this is just more of the same effectively and, and Mindbender has, okay fine the brainwave scanner's trashed but he's now got almost a, a new improved version of it, the the only kind of nice touch I liked was that he has to input some sort of chemical suppression of synapses to to really get the brain racked into into the state of mind that he wants it in so it's a bit more torturous i think and a bit more uh, sinister
1: but the brainwave scanner was always supposed to be painful using sort of hyper pain to like seal the new programming in place i i don't know this that that thread is always going to be weak source to me unfortunately it's potato patata you know a rose by any other name that kind of thing like yeah, sure, you've ditched the brainwave scanner and discredited it and you're done with Dr. Venom finally, but you've just substituted it with something that has the same function. Like, the brainwave scanner was always like the MacGuffin that essentially removes a character's agency. When you've subjected a character to the brainwave scanner and they're now acting under your sort of suggestion, they stop being their own character, which is always like a little bit disinteresting and disheartening to the reader it's like oh well that was easy we can suddenly make this person anything we want them to be Uh, i don't know chief it's
0: it's not a good trope and i couldn't be more depressed that it's back (laughs) i think it can work well in moderation and i like it when they do different things with it so when they had the millville storyline you know they've got this brainwave scanner which is in big containment units in the middle of the street, and they're kind of ferrying people in one in one out, and brainwashing the workforce and things like that. I, I kind of liked that it was just taking a slightly different twist on it, but when it just boils down to let's get a GI Joe operative, put them under deep agent double cover or whatever, and send them back whether they do a snake eyes collection rock and roll, it just feels a bit. Uh, again yeah we've been Um, here before at least duke is is wise to it yeah duke ex machina Uh, road pig felt a little bit off to me here i don't know i know we, we talked about maybe the two personalities had not become distinct anymore and they were kind of merged into one but i don't know some of his dialogue and acting if you will felt a little bit off and i don't know why they're in some crazy clothes shop interrogating tunnel rat either why aren't they doing that in a disused warehouse or the back of a van
1: yeah i had a question about whether or not you liked road pig's characterization you know he's he's jokey he's snarky you know he tells jokes and they kind of fall flat with zarana so yeah. he is someone else he's not donald and
0: he's not road pig i liked him when he was you know intelligent highbrow donald and thuggish brutish road pig i like sure. those two distinct things but this kind of amalgamation's not really doing it for me
1: yeah, man. And once again, like, he's not pandering to Zorana at all. No. In fact, he seems to be snarking her. But, you know, obviously shit rolls downhill. She's she's still calling the shots around there. Like, she's going to yeah. ignore his, his comments. Like, eh? I don't know, man.
0: Inexplicable. Yeah. Weird. What, I do need to obviously get your opinions on two things towards the end of the issue, this first issue. One is the... Modified X-19B Stealth Fighter with the four seats in the back, and so sick. And (laughs) the components of the team they put together: Iron Knife, Leatherneck, Falcon, and Zap, who we've not seen in Jesus. I don't know when the last time we saw Zap Mm. was. Yeah, man, that is
1: coming out of left field. Or,
0: Or any of these guys. I mean, Spirit Spirit has been a in a cameo role for quite a while, I guess. But we haven't seen Leatherneck or Falcon in starring roles either, for that matter.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad there's a notion, it seems, with Larry to kind of spread the focus a little bit. I think he feels the weight of the roster and it's like, maybe at this stage there was a bit of backlash that, you know, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, the book had kind of been about them for so damn long that, you know, G.I. Joe is a team book. If you're not playing to that, then you're losing out a segments of your audience because, you know, everyone's got their favorite Joe, right? and yeah. most of us aren't going to say snake eyes or storm shadow cuz they're just too played out.
0: Yep. Yep. So it's it's a smart move. Excited about this team actually to see see what happens in the in the upcoming issues. Um and yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about this modified stealth fighter at all? Or Yes, I do. Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know, should we say, save it for later perhaps? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, let's save it for later then. I, I had no I didn't pick up on those breadcrumbs. But yeah, let's save that for later. Good good stuff. Good stuff.
1: But the four seats, it's a nice it's a nice move because honestly, the way G.I. Joe's transit the globe is always questionable. Are they always jumping into a C-130? Because you know, relative to like commercial jetliners, a C-130 is very, very slow. Yes. Like it's not subsonic, it's 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 be below you know it's it's prop driven, it's it's flying and it's flying low as well. Uh, yeah. So a high altitude, extremely fast, supersonic, you know, the, the X-19 could probably go Mach 3 at short sprints. Yeah. So it's a powerful beast. You know, get them there, lickety split.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And the, it or someone else has previously done a run because we find out in the next issue that Ripcord's already been there. So he got inserted as well. It kind
1: of makes you wonder what uh, jet he was hitching a ride on yeah. to get there that fast. That's no. it, that's it. Or maybe he was in country already.
0: We get a look at Jinx, who is another Joe we haven't seen in a while, in the last concluding panels here. Well, we haven't was... seen her in a in a Joe-sanctioned mission, I should say, for a while.
1: I don't know. Has, has, has Larry ever really explained Jinx's origins? She just kind of appeared as like a adjunct to the uh, Blind
0: Master. And ever since then, she's been taken as as being a Joe. Yes, that's right. That's right. Because she takes... Who does she take? Is it Billy? She takes him down in California. They're at some language school. And she takes him down oh, yeah. underground. Do you remember Yeah, that? I think that was it. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, she had a desk job with Joe. I don't think it's ever been fully explained when or how she got into the G.I. Joe team. Or even if mm. she actually is a fully card-carrying member. Or whether she's just a... Like a, a work-for-hire kind of Hey,
1: yeah, man, she's deal. hanging out in the pits. I, I, I don't think you can get more card-carrying than that. <laughs> but yeah, it is weird. Like, she was the, the dark horse. She's allegedly Arishikage. I mean, yes. that's her surname, in fact, if uh, you believe, believe right. that to be true. But how that makes you eligible for G.I. Joe, I don't know. Maybe she got a pass because she was pals with snake eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, When we move over to the next issue, it's interesting that we've got that team of members that we haven't seen for a while, but from an individual point of view, they don't really get to excel at any of their specialties, or they don't get a chance to use any of their specialties, because they're there to rescue Dusty and Airtight, who've been taken to a prison block, which happens to be above ground of the Weapons testing area, or the weapons development area that uh, Farood and Darklon are now visiting to test the the Krypton bomb. <laughs> the
1: Krypton bomb. Uh, well, I mean, I think I
0: think uh, doesn't Spirit throw a little bit of like
1: tracker insight? You know, 15 clicks to the target. We have to double time it all the way to get to position before first lights. He's kind of taking points, and yeah, I don't know. One desert is very much like another, I suppose, especially That's at right. nights. And so all his years spent safeguarding the entrance to the pit, he's definitely the man for the job. It seems like, you know, it's often been talked about that Spirit has a sixth sense. So yeah. I suppose he's got a, a legit position in the team. Falcon, I guess he's just all-round leadership qualities. I mean, he was part of that kind of spearhead unit that uh, was operating on Cobra Island during the Civil War.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You've got to have your heavy weapons dude in there. And, I mean, Leatherneck is... He's like an upgrade to Gung Ho, basically. Yeah. I don't I know if any, so. anyone else would agree with that, but he's got a slightly more practical uniform, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all wearing like green camis in the desert. So, uh, practicality out the window. Yeah.
0: Well, you, I think you kind of remind me of Gung Ho in your recording stance of a uh, shirt off. So, there you go. I don't know if you've got a, I don't know if you've got a cap on or not. but. <laughs> and I definitely haven't been inked. I mean, (laughs) damn, that marine tattoo must have hurt, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I just need to pick your brains quickly about the Krypton device and how it works. So Farood and Darklon, they've gone into this underground bunker, and then Farood says, here we are. Now we'll have the proof in the pudding. We should get him on the show for over-egging the pudding, actually. The timer is set (laughs) for one hour. All you have to do is insert the Krypton and we can withdraw to a safe distance and see if your product is worth buying. So what he's showing me here in this image, this is a nuclear device, yeah? And then mm-hmm. Darklon's going to put his briefcase inside this capsule, put the lid on, stir it around a little bit, give it a mix, <laughs> press a button, and then in an hour's time this bomb will go off. Is that right? I think you nailed it. So it's a, one, a one-time-use device?
1: <sighs> yeah. You can run around with hundreds of these little chips. Right, okay. I don't know. In the true essence of a MacGuffin, and I think it was Hitchcock who said, like a MacGuffin is of vital importance to everyone involved other than the audience. Right. Like it doesn't matter what it is to us. All that matters is that everyone else is desperate to have control over it.
0: Yeah. No, I don't I don't actually mind I don't actually mind the silliness of this. I'm actually fine with it. It's just, I was just trying to understand what was actually going on.
1: Look, it is problematic that an audience is left to question what the hell this thing is and how how it functions. What does it add to what looks to already be a complete device? You know, <laughs> yeah. clearly Farood had this thing built to spec because you don't want to get up to the bloody bomb, try and insert the Kryton, Krytron, And, oh, damn, looks like uh, we need an adapter kit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's the wrong voltage or or like the the bracket is too small
0: or something. Or the Krypton device causes it to go off immediately and they can't field test it at all. I suppose this is a field test.
1: Oh, something I wanted to get onto. If we flick back to the previous issue, the the meeting between Destro, Darklon, Farood, Baroness, the scene that I love, you see the back of Darklon's head and it is flesh tone. Hey? Yes, you're right. Yes, and fortunately for Darklan, he seems to be bald, because I don't know how he would get his hair cut, <laughs> wearing this damn helmet that's like we're led to
0: believe is surgically bonded to his head. Yes,
1: I mean, just imagine his
0: hair was still growing. Yeah, you're right, because even that strap could possibly be undone at the back of his head, which would give you a full rounded bit of his of his dome but the, the front is obviously clearly if that's unremovable or maybe the helmet is unremovable to anyone but Darklon. Maybe maybe yeah he's know. got the magic touch yeah yeah and like you mentioned while they're looking at field testing this device and effectively killing everyone in the prison above and Farood kind of shows you what scumbag he is because he says, It's only a skeleton crew of guards and techs left there, all of whom are troublemakers or suspected of being loyal to the Emir, and they are expendable as prisoners. And also, the Emir is actually in prison there because when Dusty and Airtight get put in the clink, they're asking if anyone speaks English, and the Emir pops up and he says, Yeah, I do. I used to be the man in charge. And that's when yeah. he reveals that he, you think he was potentially a good guy and he's been wrongly accused or wrongly ousted. But he levels up. That he was the one who was developing this underground weapons testing bunker. And that is the scene that I love from right.
1: the second issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh
1: man, that was
0: pretty powerful because you, you, they, they. Larry weaves a great thread to show that this man was okay. Fine, he did some war stuff in the big war arc from the early hundreds but in the recent issues we've seen him as a man who's trying to turn it around and do the right thing and here he's been put in prison unjustly etc and then all of a sudden he flip reverses it on you and then you're like ah
1: yeah 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 he, he kind of pins it on his dad at first he's like yeah daddy was building this uh, facility to pioneer chemical and biological weapons i decided to to reform all of that i decided to add nuclear <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, that's it, that's it. it's the, the little bait and switch which just it's like everyone's a scumbag yeah uh, yep. Larry's definitely showing his cynical side which I absolutely love you know the guys are talking about how you know if you're the little guy if you're the small upstart nation the, the terrorist nation you've got chemical and biological weapons you're the bad guy but if you move into
0: nuclear hell all the big boys have nuclear weapons so all of a sudden you're just part of the club that's it yeah. great stuff uh, and while Darklon is attempting to showcase his wares over in Trucial Abysmia, this is where we mentioned that Destro is trying to sell similar tech to the head dude over there. I forget who it is, what the minister's name is, but um, he's... I think they just call him Minister. They do just call for him Minister, Minister yeah.
1: of Defence for Trucial Abysmia.
0: Yeah, so this is how, you know, I guess Mars and Destro make a living by... Selling deterrents, especially I, to, to world dictators. I seldom
1: yeah. see Destro do hustling like this. And this yes. is surely how he operates. So we're really getting down to the price tacks of how Destro clawed his way up to be like the, you know, having Mars being one of the biggest armament um, dealers in the world because he's playing both sides clearly right here. Yeah. Farood is equipped with Mars created Krytrons. And was like, well, you don't want to fall behind in the arms race, buddy. Your neighbours
0: are doing it. Yeah. Time to, to, to get a dog in the race. That's it. That's it. Fantastic. It's also, uh, another bit I struggled with here is Clutch and Rock and Roll have gone back to the pit with their brainwashing intact from Mindbender. And he explains that to Cobra Commander. But why were they not pinned with tracking devices? Or I, I didn't really understand. Maybe that's coming in a later issue. But surely the, the idea to release the Joes is to then find out where the base is. I don't know. I don't want it to lead to a yet another pit invasion.
1: Look, it's a mystery to me how Cobra isn't aware of where the pit is. Surely in all this time. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's hilarious to me also that the Joes are kind of... Under interrogation, they managed to convince... Uh, stalker and psych out that they don't know where cobra is or or what yeah. their operation is it's like it's plain as day cobra's hiding in plain sight like surely gi joe has better surveillance than just these two mooks but yeah. they're also acting very like vanilla very like scout boy as part of their kind of subterfuge i guess but then it just occurred to me that Surely you should just dangle Scarlet in front of Clutch and see if he, like, schmoozes her. Because he had a reputation for being a womanizer. That's it. I mean, in the early run of uh, A-Raw, like, he was constantly ribbing Scarlet. Uh, So, you know, you want to really definitively find out if there's something wrong with these boys. It's like, Scarlet should be conducting the interrogation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The timetable moves along a bit when they realise that the, the the Joes back in the, the pit are watching this intel on the big screen and they see a load of people evacuating etc and Duke realises it's to do with a blast radius and that's when the signal goes to our, our team on the ground that they've got to step up their timetable and get the guys out ASAP which means a frontal assault.
1: Yeah man, very decisive action from our boy Falcon. Because it, he kind of anticipated that he was about to get the order that uh, the mission was scrubbed. So he takes out the comm device. Yep. And he's like, to tell with this, man, if I'm going down, I'm going down fighting. There's no ways. Like, Scarlet's giving them advice to, like, try and get behind a dune. Like, don't be within <laughs> line of sight of the explosion. It's like, we're doomed. We're dead, men Unless we take this installation. So yeah. it's gutsy stuff, man. And it is a great cliffhanger to leave us on to be honest yeah definitely like the ticking clock and the desperation of these guys
0: it's just five guys and they're frontal assaulting this facility (sighs) we haven't really had a page end or an an issue ending cliffhanger of this kind of magnitude for a while i don't think or the the stakes haven't been this high for a while this is literally in the middle of a storyline so this that's quite cool because that's not generally larry style But it's it's quite cool that he's thrown that in there. So now, okay, fine. I want to crack on and read this next issue, find out what happens.
1: Totally. I would have been happy for it to end on the splash page of the guys rushing. Yes. But we get some more content in two more pages and definitively have the question answered as to what happens when a cinder block meets (laughs) a human skull. (laughs) It's small, but it's definitely that. I mean, Road Pig takes these two gods' heads clean off, in just like yes. a black and red gore fist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oof. strong stuff. Hardcore. That's clearly yeah. not Donald in charge there.
1: No, exactly. So maybe there's still still an essence of Road Pig in there. Yeah. Pfft, damn yeah. it, man. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. I don't think I'm going to yo jo these ones because clearly we're in the middle of a storyline here. But Smart from movie. a overall summary like I say I did enjoy them but on a personal level maybe not quite as much as the last four or issues
1: well that can only mean one thing then chief
0: <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> toys well I want you to talk about toys and then I'll give you my opinion on those toys that you talk about Steve talks about toys ho ho Steve talks about G I Joe he talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show Steve talks about toys Steve talks about toys Steve Talks About Toys Steve Talks About Toys The Phantom X-19,
1: baby. Oh! You know when G.I. Book started reviewing toys? Uh, and we did so for a good long while before we realized, like, you know, there were other guys in the game that were far more definitive in their reviews, so we decided doing, something, doing other things. But the very first review we ever did was of the Phantom
0: X-19. Really?
1: Yes. Do you have any familiarity with this toy, Chief?
0: Now, Ben tells me he had this, and I'm not sure if I remember. I, th- I think he did. I'm not saying he's lying, oh, but I'm just trying to He was to, a lucky boy. I'm My just trying to remember goodness. if I remember playing with it or seeing it. I think I do, but I don't really. I wouldn't be able to tell you what any of the, the features are or any of the. All I remember is I think it was big. Well, take a gander at the 3D Joe's link that I just
1: sent you, Chief. Doing it now. It is big. And pretty unmistakable. I I can't imagine you forgetting it if you ever actually had hands to it. So I'm I'm gonna say maybe maybe Ben got it after you'd kind of checked out.
0: No. Yeah. No. I do I do remember it. I do remember it. Yeah. But like it was at the tail end. But yeah, this is a beast. It is. I think it's actually the longest GI Joe jet. I could be mistaken, but I
1: think it is slightly longer than the Night Raven, and it's gorgeous. It's modeled after. A fantasy vehicle, basically. I mean, in the 80s, there was this talk of the Aurora program, which was everyone's, in sort of conspiracy theorist aviation circles, was people's expectation that that after the SR-71, that this was what uh, the Skunk Works, or the sort of top secret uh, aeronautical design team uh, in the United States, was working on. Right. It has a teardrop design, which was thought to have um, radar-defeating properties. Probably does. I don't know. I'm not an aeronautics guy. But the X-19, the Phantom X-19, definitely adopts that configuration. Another famous jet that also held this, this configuration was Victor Vector's jet from Ring Raiders. Is that all
0: Greek to you, man? Ring Raiders. I'm going to Google mm. that quickly while you're, while you're oh, talking. Wow. Because the name, <laughs> for some reason, rings a bell. Well, I hope you get nothing uh,
1: too explicit. <laughs> uh, fortunately, we managed to duck that when we had a discussion about airtight. But uh, man, the internet is a messed up place. Anyway, so Victor Vector, the lead character on this show called Ring Raiders, which had a toy line by Matchbox Toys, which were basically like micro machines that you could then attach via little like transparent flight stands two rings that you as a child would wear. So you'd have a squadron of jets, basically, on each hand. Okay. It's a fun concept, but, I mean, it only ever lasted, uh, I think, one wave of toys and and a cartoon series. I, so. I never
0: knew there was the cartoon series, but now I'm seeing pictures. I'm pretty sure I had some of these, you know, rings, actual jet toys.
1: Okay. Well, if you had the leader, the good guy leader, you would have gotten what I believe to be a an Aurora jet which is the same thing as the Phantom X-19, though, you know, there are some creative liberties being taken. The Phantom X-19, in terms of features and those liberties, firstly, it mounts all its weapons externally, which is not a hallmark of stealth. It's got two Bullseye 2, computer-aided, low-altitude terrain-hugging missiles, which are like cruise missiles, because they deploy an airfoil. So you slide them off a rail and then twist this airfoil round to be horizontal, and all of a sudden it flies around like a cruise missile with its own control surfaces. And then it's cool. got twin BY-106 little guy long-range air-to-air missiles, which is ironic. But if if they're long-range, they're so small that I'm like, they must be using some pretty sophisticated fuel systems to yeah. uh, be long-range, because missiles that small—I mean, they, they look smaller than sidewinders. Yep. Anyway, they're they're carried externally, and to add to the weirdness, they're neon yellow and carried on the top of the aircraft. Now, this isn't unheard of, but certainly not something you'd want with a stealth jet. No. What is really, really cool are the features. There are three very notable ones. Uh, one of them very wonky, one of them slightly less wonky, and one of them wonky as all hell (laughs) but the vehicle itself is an engineering feat the canopy doesn't raise like a normal canopy would it slides forward on a rail system to allow access to the the characters inside it uh, seats two i believe that the pilot sits in the front and his rio or radar intercept officer sits behind him certainly evidenced by that issue one one five counting coup where Ghost Rider sits up front and Slipstream sits in the back. Yep. And it's fascinating that they decided to go with the rail system. Um, I guess it's more stealthy that way than having a hinged canopy. But hey, once the, th- once the thing's in, flights, who cares? Yeah. Uh, the other feature is the wings extend. If you can call them wings, they're really just a sort of a part of the fuselage. They extend outwards and two twin laser cannons flip out. Cool. Very, very cool.
0: That is cool. Yeah, man.
1: And the third and final feature, which is a feat of engineering panache, but is janky as all hell, (laughs) are the landing gears. Yes. You slide a silver tab out at the rear of the aircraft and it brings down the front landing gear. But in conjunction with that, the, the back landing gear fold out sort of laterally. So, like you would expect a passenger aircraft's um, landing gear to kind kind of fold out to the sides. Got it. So, these hatches open outwards to the sides and the landing gear descends through them. They catch all the time. And in order for the landing gear to come back up and the doors to pop in behind them, there are, unfortunately, rubber elastic bands. Right. Which decay over time and... I would caution anyone against displaying their Phantom X-19 with the landing gear down because those rubber bands will stretch over time and eventually make the landing gear retraction system unworkable but it snags anyway so I mean it's it's a nice idea but of course the execution was was very very tricky. There's an A version and a B version the A version slides straight back the B version has a levered sort of slide which I'm told works better and I believe it does. I have had some hands-on experience with it. But I like the cleanness of the A version, the earlier version better. Yep. Okay. Just because it's this unnecessary clunk on the B version. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about the pilots? Yeah, please do. Ghost Rider. Alright, I'm gonna fly through his file card because we're running out of time. Stealth isn't simply a matter of technology, it's a state of mind. It isn't enough to wrap yourself in a blended wing polymer composite airframe with shielded air inlets and vectored nozzles all covered with black iron ball radar absorbent paint. True stealth means having the nerve to fly nap of the earth at high speeds without activating electronic sensors or guidance systems that might tip off enemy radar. It is ridiculous to fly such an aircraft at a low altitude because it was designed by engineers whose priorities centered on radar invisibility rather than structural integrity and maneuverability. This doesn't seem to matter to Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider has been working on not getting noticed since the second grade. He may have been the only person to make it through the Chicago public school system without ever cleaning an eraser or washing a blackboard. Teachers never noticed him. Not because he was dull or lackluster, but because he consciously worked on not being noticed. That's how he's in the cockpit of a stealth fighter. He's willing himself to be invisible. Mm -hmm. Interesting concept of mind of a matter there. It's like stealth is beyond just your equipment. It's like you need to have an almost stealth zen moment come over you. That you believe yourself to be completely invisible. And that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But yeah. controversially, he was bearing the name of a Marvel Comics character. Yeah, that's an interesting choice, that. I think they could have gotten away with it in the pages of the Marvel comic, but maybe it just became a running gag that, hey, this guy's stealthy, let's make his thing that no one can remember his name.
0: Yeah, that's, I never really thought of have never actually considered that, that there was some issue or beef with Larry using, well, I suppose, no, who would have come up with the name Ghost Rider? Ah, uh, this would have been Hasbro. Right. Or perhaps Larry, in fact. Yeah,
1: maybe, maybe, maybe.
0: It's not anybody's sure. guess at this but, stage. No, interesting. In, yeah, that, that, it's interesting to know when the last time he was name-checked. Listeners out there, because I'm not going to go back and do it. Listeners out there, what was the last issue where he got name-checked as Ghost Rider? So Well,
1: I think there isn't one.
0: Oh, okay. That's actually, yeah. the, that's actually the catch. Right.
1: In 88, when this came out, I'm reading on the file card right now, it says Ghost Rider trademark interesting hey it was trademarked by Hasbro I think Ghost Rider the Marvel comic book character has a hyphen Ghost Rider wow so maybe it was not a case of not being able to use it in Marvel comics because of Ghost Rider the character but maybe it's because Hasbro somehow acquired the trademark to the term Ghost Rider and by virtue of that Marvel couldn't print that name outside a Ghost Rider wow. comic that's interesting that's anyway good what do I know about trademark law <laughs> Interestingly enough, Ghost Rider was uh, not packaged in some European versions of the X19. Instead, they used version one of Ace. Curious. Ah, interesting. Inexplicable. Maybe they just had excess of Ace, and they just were like, mm, yeah, cheaper to like just run with this back stock of our old figure than to make the new ones. Yeah. Mm. When did you acquire yours? Oh, I got it. Uh, I think 2009.
0: Right. This was an internet purchase. In good condition, or did you have to purchase extra parts to replenish? I got it in perfect condition, right. just
1: without the pilots. But okay. fortunately, my, my buddy, my longtime friend and co host on G.I. Joeberg, Rob. He had Ghost Rider and he didn't mind me playing with his action figure. And Ghost Rider came with an interesting, uh, I wouldn't say accessory, but costume, like sort of wardrobe item. He came with a red scarf, which is now becoming increasingly more difficult to find in good condition because obviously cloth goods get snagged, get... Lost kids don't necessarily associate it with the toy, so it falls into a toy box and never finds
0: its way back out. How easy was it to tie the scarf and make it look kind of flattened down and look okay?
1: Mm, Fortunately, it's a kind of I don't even know what the fabric is called, but it it's flattened along the action figure, so it's never going to look scale accurate. It's never going to have a realistic kind of billow to it, but it. It's okay. It's a nice visual pop, uh, in conjunction with other other visual pops, which make Ghost Rider an exquisite figure. He's got knee boards, yeah. like little tampos on his knees, or just the one knee. Sorry, he's got a knee board that has a beautiful green map, with black prints on it. Okay. It's uh, it's an attractive figure, perhaps a little bit too um, I don't know, atomic age in in terms of his helmet. Right. Uh, surely someone with a next generation stealth fighter would be wearing something like really, really concealing. Like yes. your your entire face would be would be fully masked. He yep. wouldn't have, yep. you know, his, his handsome face peeking out there, which is kind of running in the face of his attribute of being like stealthy and, and not being particularly uh, recognizable, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But hmm. it's been a bugbear Good.
1: of mine that they've never been able to name drop him. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay. when, is someone, when is he going to get turn to the camera and wink at us and say... The name's Ghost Rider, okay? Don't forget it. Yeah, (laughs) that would be nice. The gag's gotten a little bit stale, for me at least.
0: Okay, well, good stuff. Not that I'm gonna purchase it, but what sort of cash money are you looking at nowadays to get one of these in in a fair condition?
1: It's always tricky judging uh, eBay as your guide because obviously, you know, what a thing is worth is only what it's worth to the buyer, really. You know, what what someone's prepared to, to spend on it. Well, like I mentioned earlier, I got it without the pilots, and this was ten years ago. But back then, I paid eighty dollars for it. Okay, which is not bad going. Yeah, uh, sounds reasonable. I see one. I see one on eBay, United States, for ninety-eight dollars. Okay, with pilots, with uh, blueprints, and with a file card. Sounds sounds right. Looks to be complete. It's it's impressive that it's uh, hovering under a hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not without a few issues here and there. Okay, it's missing one bomb. I think the landing gear appears intact. So, good going, man. Like, it's impressive. The nose cone is a, a, a piece that is often missing. Right. In fact, I think they've gone as far as to create reproduction parts because it is such a, a pity to have a complete or otherwise complete X-19 and just be missing the damn nose cone. Because it really upsets the lines. Because
0: that fell off because it wasn't a good attachment or because it was a play piece that you could take off it wasn't necessarily a feature insofar as it was just a safety
1: concern by having the nose cone as a more rubbery material i think it was just lessening the chance of you cracking the nose okay you know if you if you were to bump it and it was to fall forwards hell something else on this creaky toy would have probably broken as well but you know at least that nose wouldn't have chipped Hey, that's my explanation. I don't know. It's always nice to have some soft, soft goods up front. More
0: toys next week from SJub7. Right now, we want to try and confuse some people because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over-Egging the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to over-egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms we got some commonwealth colloquialisms
1: so in australia if i was to uh reference
0: a ute yeah like, what do you imagine i was talking about a ute now then the only other time i think i've heard ute is in the joe pesci movie my cousin Vinny, where he is a kind of i think he's a bit of a gangster and he? he's playing like a lawyer trying to get someone off and or he represents himself or something i don't know he's, he's he's in some small hick town anyway and he goes to the judge and he's saying yeah you got in to fight with uh, three utes and what he's actually saying mm. is youths of um, so but i don't in his
1: jersey accent yeah
0: utes i don't think it's that i'm going to say it's a vehicle of some kind what well done chief okay. expand upon that a pickup truck yes okay. brilliant is that what you call them in the UK a
1: pickup no. truck? A pick uh
0: okay. what like a like a, f- a flatbed. Yeah. Kind of it's got like a little cab a, you know it's effectively like a, a transit van with no back or uh, mm. I th- I guess we'd just call them a yeah a pickup truck maybe. I guess that's an americanized yeah. term as well but truck. Yeah. All these terms
1: are so f- unfamiliar to me because we've got a distinctive word for it in South Africa as well. Okay. <laughs> We're gone. And, and, and uh, I've probably given the game away. Go, okay,
0: what is it? Oh, that's the South African one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> damn it. You only get one guess. <laughs> um, we would call it a bucky. A bucky, right. Because that sort of box that would, you know, y- you could get them flatbed, but primarily you would have a kind of a, a rectangular box with a, a tailgate. You can get a canopy on top of that. Right. But uh, the open top, we just call it a bucky. A uh, single cab, you know, no, no passenger space, just like driver and a, a passenger beside him yep. or her. Um, and a fun little sort of bastardization of the, the term Bucky is that uh, typically before the big rugby or cricket game, uh, you get to the parking area early and people would have uh, barbecues or brais in the parking lots or sort of a grassy area where you'd park your car. Yep. And anyone with a Bucky... Uh, could then line it with a kind of a, a waterproof um, drop sheet or something and fill it with water, and you basically turn it into a bakuzi. I <laughs> <laughs> love it.
0: Love it. Good way to keep cool on the game day. That sounds quality. Yeah. You won't get, find any of that happening over in the UK, I tell you. It's uh, so, all right. So, uh, I am Brass gonna... monkeys. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> brass monkeys. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um My one is, now I'm not sure, again, I I haven't done any homework this week, slap on the wrist for Chief, I'm not sure if this is a general colloquialism, or if it's localised to a certain area, but, and I guess I'll have to use it in a sentence, or will I, ghoulies is what I'm going to say. I know this because I read Diary of Adrian Mole. Okay. I think the ghoulies are your nads. Yes, if I said, oh, I've been punched in the ghoulies... Then I've been hitting the testicles.
1: Eesh.
0: Yeah. Ghoulies. And also, damn, once
1: again, aging, uh, it's time stamping Steve, but uh, <laughs> Ali G had a song called Julie.
0: Yeah. Me, ju- me Julie. Julie,
1: <laughs> me be loving you truly, from me head to me ghoulie, woman you turn me on with
0: a big bubby lawn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Good, up, a, good stuff, um, good <laughs> stuff.
0: Bookend me, please, with a South African. Or have you Mate, done it already? i I gave you one,
1: one, but I'll give you another one. Okay, okay, okay.
0: So, an oak. What's an oak? And I'm not talking about a tree. Of course, of course. An oak. I've got zero reference for that, so you're going to have to put me out of my misery.
1: Well, I realised today that it's kind of, it is global in the, in the reference to, like, a really solidly built person. Okay. Like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Austrian oak. Yes. Right. But in South African slang, it's spelt different, which leads me to believe it is a different word. Ah. It's O K E. Right. And that's just like a word for a dude, a guy. Like uh, okay. y- you know, you're an oak, I'm an oak, we oaks. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and like I suppose there's a diminutive term, so an oaky is a little guy.
0: Right. So there you go, man. I like it. I like it. Now Good. you know. Now you know. If you didn't know before, now you know. Oak and Oakies. Yeah, good, good. More <laughs> colloquial. I think we've had a good run here. Uh, I've got over my hump of just saying words that everyone knows. And I think we're on a good run of colloquialisms here. So let's keep that going into next week. But right now, we'll close the show out with... Listeners, answer a question. Listeners, answer a question. posed by us, just for you. Listeners, answer a question. Hey, nailed it holy crap chief (laughs) wow so this was a bit of a can of worms because we'd kind of discussed this offline of shall we do what's the best 80s action movie or what's your favorite 80s action movie because is there really a difference between those two things possibly and then it was kind of like are we just going to get a flood of predators and diehards or shall we just see what happens and I got cold feet after I posted it, after a few people responded, I got cold feet and said, oh, maybe we could do it as an underappreciated or an underrated 80s action movie. But regardless, we got a great slew of responses, and it, it wasn't just Predator and Diehards.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic spread.
1: I mean, quite a few films that I have no prior knowledge of. Okay. So...
0: I'm going to have to plead the fifth and remain Switzerland on a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm more interested in maybe discussing some of the other ones. We all know about Predator Die Hard. Commando had quite a few votes. So did Big Trouble in Little China, actually. That that was one of the, the front runners. But some of the others people mentioned were movies in the Mad Max series, which I thought was quite interesting. And one of the things that I was wondering if we'd get, because when you say action movies, that's quite a broad spectrum because... What does it have to be to be an action movie? Can you include things like Aliens, which is a sci-fi movie, but it's also an action movie. It's a sci-fi action movie. And things like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mate, there are guns in Aliens. has yeah. got to be an action yeah, movie. Yeah, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's like a Saturday afternoon matinee action-adventure movie. But that is an action hmm. movie, I guess. And I think the spectrum's quite broad in, in where you can go with it. But
1: Yeah, it's not just uh, the squib-heavy action movies of the yeah. 80s that would typically involve Stallone or Schwarzenegger I yeah, mean yeah.
0: it's it's broader than that yeah they're thinking man action movies yeah. Terminator <laughs> uh, was yes you know mentioned as well Tango and Cash Stallone and Kurt Russell in fact Kurt Russell also had Escape from New York mentioned on here, so he had three movies Big Trouble Escape from New York and Tango and Cash so good good representation from Kurt they're one of my favorites hmm someone mentioned and I forget who Blind Fury which I believe is a 1989 Rutger Hauer movie where he plays a blind swordsman. Now, I think I've seen this, or a blind ninja. I think I've seen this, but I can't recall any of it. So anyone else who has seen it, apart from the the person who posted it, let me know if it's good and worth a watch.
1: Mate, it's going on my list. Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Some G.I. Joe connotations there as well. You know, blind ninja swordsman. I like it.
1: Nice, nice. Top Gun got a mention over on Insta. Yep. Yeah. I, I accept definitely <laughs> action. I mean, yeah, damn! You just need to hear that Kenny Loggins theme, Danger Zone. Yes, that's some high octane that's action stuff. Good one. Stuff, that's no. a good
0: one. Uh, we also had a couple of under the radar ones, not I've not heard of Robo Jocks and Eliminators. So I think they're kind of straight to VHS movies. But I forget who it was mentioned them, but I, I think I'll, I'll put those on the oh, list. Wasn't one, one of the sedans? Uh, I think Mark had mentioned he'd seen one, but I forget who the original poster was. But RoboCop was also mentioned. Mm-hmm. I've not seen that in a long, long time—probably twenty years. So that's—I think I'm gonna have to put that on the on the watch list.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, RoboCop is seminal. I mean, it's for reasons other than it just being pure
0: action. It's it's Paul Verhoeven doing his best yeah, best work. It is. I think it probably is. We also had a mention for GI Joe the animated movie <laughs>
1: yeah okay I, I definitely accept I'm a I'm a fan of that film it's an underrated gem and I still insist that in spite of me losing that wager that you
0: do a oh, dedicated out of Timers episode for it. we will do we will do it yes <laughs> I'll yes. be a happy boy <laughs> <laughs> I put I said I said it to Ben he said yeah yeah we'll do that you don't have to lose a bet to, for us to do that that's fine
1: so. Mate, I still have not been able to do a a, a toy focus on G.I. Joe machines. Hey, no rush. No rush, my man. Buddy, there's nothing out there. Oh, serious? <laughs> well, yeah. I'll explain it in G- the G.I. Joe Berg episode when I manage to sandwich it in. But it's... I think it just came out at the wrong time. Okay. Joe had disappeared from pegs. Right. And I was too old to want to mix up my toy lines. I was a dedicated Joe fan yes. by then. I was a teenager. It was the late 90s. And so if it wasn't like three and three quarter inch Joe, I wanted nothing to do with it. Okay. So it missed the sweet spot of like my love for machines. Yeah. Yeah. So a great pity, man. I've got nothing to say about them.
0: Damn. No, that's, you that's, picked a good one, that's, Chief. That's fine. I Well, I did. I- didn't know much about them myself, so rather than me do the research, I was gonna give you the homework to do it for me. It's gonna be a voyage of discovery, mate, let me tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there um, was once a mobile app, a mobile game that was in development and they had it they'd gotten as far as a trailer, which was beautiful. I mean, it was micro machines, so you're driving on like snooker tables and shit. Yeah. But with G.I. Joe vehicles like the Hiss, the Rage, the Awe Striker, the Rolling Thunder
0: Come yeah. on. Yeah, nice, nice.
1: But I don't think, it's, I don't think it made, made it to a no. uh,
0: mass release. No, Back on these movies, just a couple more to mention. Uh, some Bond movies were mentioned. View to a Kill, Octopussy, you know, action movies. Yeah, why not? If, if Bond's running around, especially, especially Roger, chopping people in the neck, <laughs> that's action for me. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Christopher Walken. I mean,
0: he just was chewing the he scenery in yeah. View to a Kill. Fantastic. Someone mentioned another film that I'm going to put on my list, and this is Firewalker with Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr., And I have not heard of that movie or seen it. So, you know, I I like a bit of Chuck and I like a bit of Louis Gossett Jr. So that will go on my list. He was in a movie actually called Iron Eagle, which I don't know if that came out around the same time as Top Gun, but that was also a fighter fighter pilot movie, I think. And I don't know if they were flying F-16s in it or what, but Iron Eagle I also used to see down the, the Blockbuster video store top i gun. think you're right yeah
1: man i never watched it but given that i have an interest in the the f-16 i think iron eagle is it's kind of 15 minutes man that was it's time in the sun right so if if you are a plane enthusiast i think that's your port of call okay and a lot of people tout that as their favorite alternative to top gun right maybe they're just not fans of tom cruise but like yeah. i'm sure it's an inferior movie but it's it's the
0: underdog and people love yeah, underdogs. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give that a go. But um fantastic response from everyone as normal. Uh, our caps are dothed to you fine people <laughs> for for making this segment what it is and hopefully it's opened up you know some suggestions for other people to go out and watch some other 80s action movies. Good stuff. It's put some stuff on my list that's for sure. New question next week. New question oh, yeah. coming. That's right. That's right. We'll keep them coming. You keep answering them we'll keep reading the questions on here <laughs> <laughs> and passing judgment yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good show this week
1: always chiefy
0: always hey buddy show. i
1: like this new time slot man <laughs>
0: Um, me just fine. I'm I'm awake. If if you're first time listener to the show, welcome aboard. You can find us in the following places: that's talking underscore Joe on Twitter, talking Joe Comics on Instagram, and talking Joe a GI Joe podcast on Facebook. So uh, I I need to maybe pump out some more content on there because I seem to just repeat the same posts in all the same places. But um, busy man and all that jazz. So we're relying on you know the the listenership to help promote healthy conversations which they do do which is good so they do do that so uh, our thanks for that again where can the people find your stuff if you're putting any stuff out at the moment other than the mamma mia to look out for of course
1: <laughs> oh jeez, uh, well I, you know, I don't know if i want to make that public but uh gi <laughs> Joburg is uh my youtube channel podcasts we do it fortnightly not every week so you know uh, Talking Joe is definitely where the pulse is, the, the lifeblood of my podcasting. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. Yeah, good stuff. But I'm also quite uh, available in anywhere you see Talking Joe, so I will be monitoring the
0: socials there, and if you want to bend my ear, just tag me in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think it's been a good good boon to the Talking Joe stuff, Steve going on there, and from. Prompting and, and promoting some good discussions, which is which is good stuff. Lo- love it, love it. And if you want to get more of my stuff, you can hop on over to the Outer Timers podcast network. That's the Outer O U T T A Timers, where well, we've got a few sh- different shows running there, and on all the, the socials, just search that same thing. And yeah, that's a, that's about it for me. I think I've I've actually got another thing that I want to start doing. On my Chiefy Two Shoes, that's Chiefy with a Y, number two shoes. I've been putting up these comics. I've got another one to put up today, little cartoon strips of when my kid was born. What I'm also thinking about doing is a daily original art post because I've got so much original art that I've accumulated over the years. I think I'm just going to start posting one a day with a small explanation about where I got it, who the artist is, uh, and it, Do but it's just a real mixed bag i've probably got 300 plus so this you know could run for a year oh
1: my word
0: so if they're anywhere approaching the quality of that issue 34 shakedown
1: yeah. uh splash that that you had the the johnny what's his name uh, it was keith burns
0: who's the artist on johnny red
1: Johnny Red, artist Keith Burns, a dude. If it's anything approaching that quality of work, yeah. that stuff demands to be seen. Well, that man. one, that,
0: please. That one's probably in my top five, I think, all time. Oof. So wow. he did a he did a fantastic job there. Yo, so Joe. yeah, but yeah, I think another good show. Thanks to all the listeners, as always. And with all that said and done, we will see you down the road. ciao. ciao. Yo, Joe. Yourself.
1: Let's talk about with Julie right now, yeah, you
0: hear know me? Westside well, Julie You know me love you yeah, truly From me yeah. down to me cool uh. You turn yeah. me on yeah. with your big babylon Julie yeah. uh. <laughs>